Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis for BeaversEdge.com. We're back following Oregon State's win over Washington. Washington State uh, up on the Palouse on deck this weekend as your Oregon State Beavers are 4-1, and 2-0 and in Pac-12, and lead the Pac-12 North. Jared, did you think we'd be saying this a couple weeks ago following the, uh, the loss to Purdue? Um. It's hard to say, you know, two and one looked like a, looked like a sure thing when you looked at the, the schedule at the beginning of the season, but obviously, you know, when you've got USC and Washington uh, after that, I, I don't think people, I think people maybe would have predicted that it would split the two. Um, but here, like you said, here they are four and one, uh, definitely not something that maybe anyone saw coming at the beginning of the season or, or to answer your question after the Purdue game, but you know, as the weeks went on after the, uh, the Idaho game, you were kind of like, all right, I think uh, th- think this may be a possibility. And, you know, here they are. Oh, you absolutely just hit it right on the button. You know, it's it really has kind of just been Oregon State, you know, starting to roll downhill and kind of, you know, not be stopped. I mean, you talk about the, the win over uh, USC, you know, impressive fashion. And then, you know, this last week, we'll kind of break down the game against Washington. But just kind of my first impressions, just – the way that Oregon State was able to win it, you know, one of the questions I've been, you know, posed this week by numerous people has kind of been what what win was more impressive, USC or Washington? And and I think they're both very impressive in their own way, but I find Washington to be very, perhaps even just a little bit more impressive in the sense that, you know, not only did the Beavers beat an in, interdivision, you know, opponent that had, you know, had their number for, you know, a fair amount of years. They were able to win a game where I don't think they played necessarily their best. I think Oregon State, you know, didn't maybe have, well, for sure, didn't have its best uh, vertical passing game. As Chance Nolan only threw for 58 yards um, and kind of were out in that ground game all night with the script and, you know, had some back and forth inconsistencies, but still found a way to get that win in a game that you didn't play well. And that's necessarily well. And that's kind of why I think the, the Washington game is more impressive to me because it showed that when, you know, the tide can turn, hence after Chance Nolan's fumble and the Huskies went up on the Beavers, that they can dig deep and were able to kind of, you know, summon up all that kind of lessons they've learned, so to speak, over the last few years and be able to rise up and get the win. It's it's definitely impressive. And I think they're both, they're both impressive kind of in their own ways. Obviously, USC was a, a more lopsided game, which was impressive. But like you said, the ability for them to kind of get down, especially late in the game when they did, and, and overcome that in such a short amount of time to win the game was – it was it was super impressive. I mean, <clears throat> it's hard to, to say it any other way. But also, it wasn't that surprising. I said it on the board, and I, I remember texting you when the fumble happened and just saying there's still time. I think it's just – I think it's just the the way I think about – Jonathan Smith's offenses. I mean, ever since I've been around there, they've been pretty, pretty high caliber offenses. So I kind of knew, I mean, obviously you like, you got to give yourself some credit after the fact, if I would have been wrong, we wouldn't have been having this conversation right now. But at the same time, I was just, you know, sometimes you just have a feeling and I I, I knew they were going to bounce back on the next drive to tie the game up. um, But then getting the ball back again and, and, and kicking that game winning field goal was just, just a thing of beauty. And uh, yeah, both wins, super impressive and fantastic coaching in the game too. You talked about Chance 
not having his best day throwing the ball. And the coaches were able to identify that. I mean, he only threw 15 passes. Uh, and then I think they carried the ball like 40 times amongst all the, all the running backs. So, I mean, that's a good game plan. It's a great way to adjust on the fly as the game goes on and, and you know, ultimately do what you have to do to win. So it was, it was impressive in all aspects. You know, Jared, I, I agree with everything that you said, but, you know, when you mentioned uh, our conversation, while you were speaking, I, I went through and I just had to, you know, just for the sake of, of, of fun, had to look back at what our text thread was during kind of that sequence of events. And, you know, it's kind of fun just to kind of laugh at it now because you're right. You kind of exactly texted me and we're like, there's still time. And, you know, that was kind of the feeling that I kind of had from up in the press box um, uh, up at Reeser in the game was just, it was a weird game. And it was just, it felt like a weird game, like all from the start, you know, after Washington blows down the field and takes a big lead, you're like, Oh, okay. Is Washington good on offense now? And then from then, and then from then on the Huskies were like inconsistent, except when they ran out of the wildcat, which was, you know, extremely effective for them. And then the Beavers, for whatever reason, couldn't seem to get the passing game going, but yet BJ Baylor was doing his thing down the field and, and then, you know, the defense was, I, I thought, played a pretty solid game, you know, with the exception of, like I said, uh, that first drive and a couple Wildcat snaps. And then, um, you know, on Oregon State's side, an even weirder aspect of the game is that, you know, the Beavers were just down, down, down as far as being able to get kind of some passing offense going. Then Anthony Gould comes in and just makes a spectacular catch following a fly sweep for a first down. Jared, have you ever seen a situation where a guy had been more impactful on two snaps than <laughs> Anthony Gould when he took a fly sweep for a first down and then obviously had the big uh, catch over the middle on, I think it was second 15, late in, late in the third, or late in the fourth, excuse me. He only played three snaps, Jared, and, and without him, I don't know if Oregon State wins this game. Exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, it was, it was genius. And one reason that I feel that way is because you know that Washington's game plan was not let's let's keep an eye on this Anthony Gold guy. No, no offense to him. Obviously, he proved that he's he's able to make the player or any play when it's needed. But prior to that game, you know Washington's not coming in there like, all right, if we if we get a lead or if it's a close game in the fourth, let's just make sure we we keep Anthony Gold. But uh, ends up, as you said, making the plays back to back. And and you know you got to give props to Chance for the throw as well. Uh, you know, we talked about it not being his day, but he was able to to make it happen when when the time was right. Uh, and it was that was another big takeaway for me and something I put on the board. And I don't know it to you individually or not, but good teams just find a way to win. You don't have to play your best to win games. Uh, and in the past, I think Oregon State and, and Jonathan's offenses and I mean, just teams in general be at their best to win. Uh, but now, as you know, you get further into the era, you're seeing that not You know, you, you absolutely. And, you know, you talk about, you know, just what Anthony Gould was able to do. And, and, and I think, you know, it, it's impressive because, you know, for a guy to stay ready, I mean, he kind of had, you know, he had that huge game, obviously, uh, against Hawaii and then kind of been a little quiet these last couple weeks and then, you know, comes in and makes some big plays. And, you know, I think that kind of speaks to the volume or rather volume and depth uh, of that receiving core. I mean, you know, case in point, Trayvon Bradford, is the Beavers' leading receiver through five games, and he has 180 yards receiving. 
But that's only because the Beavers have gotten Gould involved. They've gotten Zariah Beeson involved. They've gotten uh, Champ Fleming's involved at times. They've gotten Treshawn Harrison involved. Uh, Luke Musgrave and Tikun Quatoriano a little bit too. So I, I think it's just been interesting, Jerry, just to kind of see that, you know, while a lot, a, a lot of people, you know, have kind of been like, well, how come there hasn't been like that go-to target? You know, how come Tikun Quatoriano or Luke Musgrave hasn't been that go-to guy or Zariah Beeson hasn't been that go-to guy? Well, I don't think it's quite that simple when you've got a lot of different really talented pieces and you're just looking for the first guy that's open, you know? Yeah, not only that too, but I think for, you know, a good a good aspect about Chance is his ability. I think we mentioned it last week to, to spread the ball. Um, and to me, yes, having a, a go-to guy is extremely important, but that have, just being able to have that chemistry with every single guy that you've got on the field as well is, is equally as important. So, yeah, you're not going to see guys going for 100-plus yards too often, um, but <clears throat> obviously they're still moving the ball effectively. Um, and, again, it just goes back to the coaching. You know, if, if it's not his game, it's not his game. And they were able to identify that. They ended up pounding the ball down Washington's throat and uh, came out with the win. And that's, that's the most important thing. Again, Oregon State uh, advancing past Washington, 27-24. And, you know, we haven't mentioned it, so got to give the man credit. Everett Hayes kicking the game-winning field goal. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't believe it actually took us quite this long into the podcast to mention it. But, Ice in his veins. But, yeah, I mean, shout out Everett. You know, um, no need to drudge up the pass, but Oregon State's had kickers not be able to perform in those situations before with the game on the line. So, you, you mean, Everett just – like you said, ice in the veins. You got to give credit to him. You know, all you know, kind of. This goes back to, I believe, last year and perhaps even a little bit the year before. He's he's kind of been steady and consistent for the Beavers, and and that's what you need. And you know, uh, last point on that, Jared, is just kudos to Jonathan Smith for uh, out out coaching Jimmy Lake uh, on the whole uh, time management there at the end of the game too. Yeah, no, I mean, as good as the team played, the coaches definitely did uh, just as well, in my, in my opinion. All around a, a great game, um, and I know you know one thing that we wanted to talk about was just being able to perform on arguably the biggest stage they've been on in, in the last couple of years. Uh, had had a pretty good turnout for the game. Obviously, the students were wild, uh, and if you've been on social media since the game, you've seen a lot of posts about that. So that's been super cool to see. Um, but overall, just again, yeah, like you said, super impressive. Which is uh, they had a lot of recruits in town with their eye on the game who had a lot of good things to say about the environment, the way the team played everything. Uh, so overall, they just, they stepped up when they needed to. And now they're four and one to be. Yeah. Again, the B, the B is uh, over, over the Huskies, 27, 24 in research stadium. They moved to four and one, two and zero oh in the pack 12. And, and Jared, let's, let's go ahead and expand on that a little bit. Uh, obviously uh, you had this scoop at beaversedge.com, a massive visitor list. Uh, lots of different um, guys on campus, varying um, cycles and whatnot, uh, position levels and all that. What were kind of some of your biggest takeaways from having such a big group uh, on the sidelines at Reister Stadium? And I can speak from being there. It was a, a very big group pregame and uh, an awesome environment. And, and Jared, you had the reaction that night. And what's it been like since? And are the Beavers uh, keeping up that heat on the recruiting trail? Yeah, if you're if you're on the damn board, then you definitely know how it's been. Um, I think we've been updating that recruit reaction thread just about every single day to this day. 
since the game. They've, they've still been talking about it. Uh, and as you said, we were able to get a lot of quick reactions. The guys were excited. Uh, you know, 22, 2022 guys who were uncommitted texted me saying it was the best environment, best game they've ever been to. I mean, it just doesn't get better than that. Uh, it, it was certainly a, a big deal for, for them to, to come out with the win and, and obviously for the fans and the students to show out the way that they did. Really, really turned a lot of heads uh, and definitely exactly what you need to continue not only for the 2022 class, but for the classes beyond that as well. Because as you mentioned, a lot of 2023s, 2024s, I heck, I think they're even 2025s there. So good early start for a lot of these guys. And if, if they can continue to do what they've been doing, uh, then there's no, there's going to be no signs of slowing down. I've got a feeling that the only positive recruit reaction thread that we have this. I have to say, Jared, if, if, if we're going to start talking 2025, I might start feeling a little bit old. Like, just 2025s are, <laughs> let's see, what would their, what would, would they, they be? Would they be born in 2007? Uh, or am I crazy? Let's see. Um, I'm trying to do some quick hit math in my head. My math here, my math here is I graduated at. In, most people graduated 18, so 2025 minus 17 or 18 would be right there. Yeah, we, so, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, yeah, we've we 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 crossed obviously the 2000 threshold, you know, a while back, and and that was a bit, and yeah, just it's the further and further out, and you know, we we obviously know now, Jared. I mean, you know, there's no rules to how young. I mean, it's like nowadays, kids, you can start getting recruited pretty early in the process. No, I think – I mean, I think Nick Saban's offered middle schoolers. I, I mean, there's been a lot of coaches do it, actually. But yeah. it's just crazy to think that the guys who were starting to, to get college looks were – boom, boom, was number one on, on, on the billboard, top 100. Just – it doesn't seem like that long ago for us. But. No, I it, – it, and, <laughs> and it, it's crazy, right? And, and that's – that, to me – to kind of tie that back into this recruiting point, Jared, that to me is what is so impressive to me about Oregon State's recruiting staff and what they've been able to do kind of so far, because I think, I really do think for, for lack of better terms, they've been able to make lemonade out of lemons as far as like being selling the vision, right? It's, you know, we haven't, you know, necessarily had the wins to sell, but we're selling this vision and this program and Jonathan Smith and Oregon State and Corvallis. And now that they can anchor that message with, hey, this is what we're doing against Washington. Hey, mm-hmm. this is what we're doing against USC. How much more impactful does that make that message, Jared? It's huge. It, 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 I mean, it's the only thing that matters. And we've said it a couple times, and I don't want to sound like a, like a broken record, but we wrote a story about it prior to the season, just about how they can turn the corner in recruiting. And it, the, the, the key point that we made was just to improve the product on the field to win. I think all, all coaches, when they, when they get into a rebuild situation uh, and take a new job at a school that, that requires a little bit of work, their message to the recruits is always the same. And it's right now we're going to preach about our culture at this school. We're going to preach about the tradition and the history of the school uh, and about what's to come. But a lot of times it never comes to fruition. There's a lot of coaches that just sell it but you don't ever see it on the field. Um, but that is, that's not happening in Corvallis and it's huge. And I think we're already starting to see it pay off a little bit uh, on the recruiting trail, but I think the best is yet to come. I mean, 
I, I really do. It's, it's just, it's huge. It's huge. I can't say it, it enough. For what we know, or rather what I know about this recruiting staff and, and the people that are in place, particularly, you know, some, some ex beavers, just some good recruiting staffers and whatnot. Jared, I mean, you know, there, there are obviously some other schools in the conference, but am I off base for saying, and just to tie it back into where these kids are coming, am I off base for saying that this, this staff, recruiting staff specifically, um, and then obviously some of the coaches, are maybe some of the best in the Pac-12 at being able to co- connect with these uh, Gen Zers now that they're recruiting? No, I mean, it sure seems that way. And it's, gonna, it's still going to take time. You know, it's not like they're going to jump into the top 25 recruiting classes out of nowhere. Uh, you know, it's, there's still going to be a process, but there's certainly improvement. I mean, a lot of people will look back at last year's class and be like, well, this class was barely even ranked. Like, how, how, can, we, how can we celebrate the way the recruiting has been right now? But <laughs> anybody who really follows it knows they only took, what, 10 guys? Uh, so I don't care if you're Alabama. If you only take 10 guys, chances are your class isn't going to be rated very high. So you got you to gotta push the rankings to the side. Um, and just look at the quality of player that they're getting. And, you know, we've talked a lot about, too, just the mold uh, that they're looking for, and, and they're certainly starting to get that. One big coach that was, I feel like, under a lot of not, – not scrutiny, but he was definitely under the lights, had a lot of eyes on him, was Coach Leggy going into this class. And he's been a guy who's impressed me because of his ability to, you know, recruit the defensive linemen in this class, obviously with Quincy Wright. And Takari Hickel and, and Matthias Malachi Donaldson. I mean, those three alone are, are really, really, really good players. And then having Dallas in for the visit this last week, the coaches are, are doing a good job. Uh, and that was a that was a lot of words to describe the job they're doing. But yes, they are doing a good job, and it, it should only get better. Yeah, it's just one of those things that I think could be a, a unique advantage for Oregon State. You know, maybe I'm off base, but it's just something that I, I see as an advantage. Is that I think. You know, you're going to have your your top programs that it doesn't matter, you know, who's like you said, the Alabamas of the world are always going to get their recruits. But as we get as time goes further and further and we get deeper into the 2020s and I don't know, I, I think Jonathan Smith and his staff being as young as they are right now are going to have a a really keen advantage being able to kind of recruit to these, you know, Gen Z kids that are out there now and kind of be able to sell kind of their vision. I think the Beavers are certainly kind of starting to bubble up, um, you know, their recruiting efforts at just the right time. So it's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on that. But Jared, last question I have for you on recruiting before we switch over uh, to the Cougs, Um, just in your opinion, with the rest of this 2022 class, what would, what would Beavers Edgers or just Beaver fans in general, what, what could they expect? Do you, do you expect the Beavers to add a couple more pieces to this class is it pretty well set? Um, and if so, uh, what, what in, intrigues you and what would you like to see them add? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're done. Uh, I definitely don't think they're done. But there's not, there's not too much work left to do. This is another class that is not going to be huge, obviously bigger than, than last year's and, and bigger already. But not going to be a, a huge class. I've been super, super, super impressed with the pieces they've gotten already. Obviously, wide receiver is a position that I think they're still still hunting for um, and, and maybe a linebacker. Um, so there's still, there still will be some additions, I think. Um, but, again, already got to be super impressed if you are following the future piece that we do every week. 
and you see the stats that, that these guys are putting up <laughs> every week, they uh they're doing pretty well. Let's just say that. Especially, I mean, I can't say his, his name. Damian Martinez has just absolutely lit it up. I think he's 100% in the argument to be the best running back in the state of Texas this year, uh, which, as everyone knows, is, is a pretty, pretty fertile recruiting ground. So lots of talent there. So for him to be in conversations like that is a huge deal. And uh, although the, the, the star ratings may not signify that, I think they will eventually. And I think that uh, <laughs> if they then it'll be one that years from now people will be like, how is that guy a 5.53 star, you know? Oh, certainly. And, you know, uh, Beaver, Beaver fans will remember being able to, you know, sneak a running back, a uh, pretty famous one out of Texas before. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, uh, how Martinez finishes up this season. And, you know, Jared, the thing that I think I've loved most about him is, you know, how often he's just kind of said throughout the year how firm he is to the Beavers. Like, it doesn't seem like his mind is is changing at all. And that's a credit, I think, to the great backs that have come before him at Oregon State, uh, A.J. Stewart, and then to an extent, maybe even uh, what B.J. Baylor is doing this year. Well, it's, it, it, is, it is a little bit tricky because maybe in years prior, it would be more of a threat. But it's like, why, why would you flip? Why would you flip? And this is something that I admittedly say to players when I'm interviewing them, especially guys who have already committed, like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're, 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 join you're hopping into a, a situation at the right time. And I think it's something that the staff, I'm sure, preaches to them as well. Like, now is the time. And, uh, you know, it's, again, it's like, why would you flip? Even if, another, even if another school did come in, why would you flip? They're doing what they're doing on the field. The culture is great. The staff is solid. Obviously, I mean, you had, uh, you had Coach Petrie leave. But aside from that, they found an absolute stud in, in A.J. Stewart. It's like, why would you go? Why would, well, I mean, what, the grass is not always greener. And I think Oregon State's a place where the grass is, is pretty green right now. Without question. And, and, you know, you see that that that's been, you know, kind of the vibe on campus, you know, for the first couple of weeks, you know, here of the season is where, you know, five weeks in has been that, you know, Beaver football is maybe back and not even maybe. I mean, it is. I mean, in, in a sense of just you know, being relevant early in the year. And, you know, we talked about it leading the Pac-12 North and, you know, in the driver's seat right now. And I tell you what, Jared, I mean, that part of it, I'll tell you what, I, I could not have saw coming. I, I did not see uh, the school down south falling to uh, Stanford. So, yeah, you know, you, you, you take that where you'll, you'll take that where you can get it. And, I, and let me tell you, Jared, from just walking around Research Stadium and, you know, I have to, you know, uh, or rather I, you know, as I walk from the parking lot, you know, into the stadium and whatnot, I'm usually always privy to, you know, conversations with, you know, Beaver fans and whatnot. And, and let me tell you, there were quite a few happy Beaver fans that wanted to tell everyone that Oregon lost. There were that, like before Oregon State's game even started, like there were, that, that made for a lot of happy Beaver fans on Saturday. No, we, we got a question on our mailbag. Uh, that I responded to saying, to, I mean, it was a question asking what basically what the odds are uh, of Oregon State winning out up until that point. And I said, if that happens, you, you'd probably be seeing two top 10 teams uh, <laughs> in that game. Is that the case anymore? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, de I definitely didn't expect them to lose that game. But again, as you said, we're not going to fault them for it. 
you know, they can do it again next week if they want to. Heck, we'll, we'll be fine with that. But certainly was unexpected. And, uh, you know, it is crazy to see them in the lead in the North. But, you know, as you mentioned, getting getting on over into the Washington State category, they've got a, they've got a big one this week. And, I mean, if you ask me and if you ask a lot of people, the biggest game of the season is, is the one that is next. And right now, that's what we need to be focusing on. No need to be talking about Oregon, but Washington State. Without question. And, and you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, it, you know, the like you said, it's the stage has now been set for, in my opinion, um, an opportunity every week where I think Oregon State will have the opportunity to win every week. And they'll have the opportunity to potentially lose every week. And that's how I look at the schedule from here on out, because I don't think there's an uh, overreaching, like you can't beat that opponent. And I also don't think there's necessarily any gimmies in this conference either. So Oregon State, I think, controls their own destiny. It's going to be really interesting to see kind of how they respond being the hunted instead of the hunter. So that that's going to be something to definitely keep an eye on this week and beyond. But as Jared mentioned, Getting into the Washington State Cougars, two and three uh, on the year are the Cougs. They're one and two in the Pac-12 after uh, starting off the season with a loss to Utah State, uh, rebounded, beat Portland State in week two, uh, then lost to USC and Utah in back-to-back weeks uh, before beating Cal last week uh, on the road for their first uh, home, for their first Pac-12 win of the year, excuse me. So, Jared, just before we kind of get into it, what are your just kind of early impressions of Washington State? Uh, well, my early impressions probably aren't as good as my now impressions. My early impressions, uh, like week one and, and two type of stuff was, all right, if Oregon State can get past Washington, then depending on what their record is after that game, you can go ahead and add another win to the schedule. But as you said, it, it feels like the stage has been set now to where – they're, I mean, they are the favorite in this game, but I think, I think, uh, you know, I, I just think that it's a, it's a big opportunity for a trap game, a, a letdown game, if you will. Uh, and this, this really is where I think that the Jonathan Smith and the, the players and the staff really show what they're, what they're made of and, and just how good they are. Because, I mean, there's no doubt that this Washington state team is, is capable of winning this football game, as you said. There's really no game where you don't think they can win, but there's also, you know, it's college football. We said it last week, probably the week before too. It's it's any any given Saturday, uh, so they're gonna have to play good. I worry about this game personally more than I did last week, just because I know how excited people, myself included, are getting. So I would hate for the team to to you know kind of get big headed. Yeah, you know, that's a good point, speaking about the trap game, and, you know, we can kind of expand on that a little bit. You know, it's it's one of those things where, Jared, Oregon State's typically performed so well and been so focused on the road under Jonathan Smith that I would almost be more worried if this was a home game. And I, I know that's weird to say as Oregon State's just coming off a, a home win no, over that Washington. That makes good sense. Um, yeah, I mean, coming off, off the home win over USC into the Washington game. but. You know, I, I think it was very difficult for Oregon State to, you know, stay focused this last week against Washington. It's kind of you knew the students were going to be back. You knew Research Stadium was going to be electric. You knew you just, you know, handed USC their lunch in their own house. And and Washington, for what it's worth, 
They gave Oregon State all they could handle in that game. So I almost wonder if maybe like that trap slash test maybe happened in a way against Washington because I still think the Beavers are overall a better team than the Huskies as they proved by getting the win. Um, but I thought, you know, they maybe could have been sharper and had a bigger margin in winning that game. So with this against Washington State, I think a couple factors that I'm keeping an eye on. One is, as I just mentioned, the Beavers pretty typically under Smith, they're all business when they show up on the road. It's pretty focused. They're usually not, you know, um, you know, off off script or anything like that. So I expect them to be focused coming into the game. And then second, Jared, I don't know if there's a game that the Beavers felt was more winnable that they lost last year than the game against Washington State to open the season. I agree. I agree. And that's what, that's another reason why I'm scared for this. I, I think I texted it to you. I just – I have flashbacks of well, – that was week one, right? Yeah, that was the first game, 2020 abbreviated COVID schedule. That was at Reeser Stadium. No fans. It was still yeah. one of the weirdest environments I have ever been in for a college football game. I just I, – I still – I get flashbacks of, of Jay – who I believe was a true freshman last year, um, just coming in and lighting them up. They, they had no answer for the pass, no answer for really anything defensively. Um, and like I said, I, I just get flashbacks of that. And it does feel kind of like a similar vibe because, I mean, obviously we know the identities for the most part of these two teams at this point. I think Washington State kind of middle of the road with, with Oregon State being a uh, and a, and a, a well above average team <laughs> and I just it, it feels a little bit of the same to me because I did expect Oregon State to win last year and I feel like I have to say this every week but guys who, who you're listening to talk right now is not a homer whatsoever I've, I have no <laughs> ties to this team at all but I, I'm very much a believer in the capabilities of, of them and of Jonathan Smith as well so if I sound like I'm being a homer because I, I do think they're capable of winning almost every game it it really is just because I, I like what I see. That's all. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, you know, going back to that game last year, Jared, just to kind of look at it again, Washington State jumped out to a 28-7 to lead in that game. And obviously the Beavers were able to score a few touchdowns uh, late in the fourth and then late in the third to, uh, you know, eventually get it back to, you know, the, the final 38-28. But like you said, Jaden Delora and really Travell Harris, who, you know, still on the squad this year, he had two touchdowns last year. Uh, he, he kind of had his way. And then, you know, the, like you said, the Cougars had their way, uh, against the Beavers last year. And, you know, like I said, that week one game was, I thought the, the one time all last year where the Beavers weren't, you know, maybe ready to go from the first whistle. And I don't know, I, I think just, you know, that anything that happened last year is still pretty fresh and in the players' minds that are still here. And I don't know, I think this game could mean a little bit more to them. And if, if if they can be a little bit more consistent on offense, I think I like their chances in this one, Jared, simply for the fact that kind of like what I told you against Washington going in, I thought Washington probably had one of the better defensive units in the Pac-12. I know the statistics didn't say that, but as far as scheme, coach, and I think talent, I think the Huskies are still one of the better defensive teams. I think UCLA is up there too, but – Pac-12 defense hasn't been particularly great this year, but I, I just think regardless, 
I think Washington State is either at the same level or perhaps below the Huskies defensively. I don't think this is a team that can slow down Oregon State's ground game for four quarters. No, and and I do I do think Oregon State is definitely the better team going into this contest. Uh, but it's really all about, about the trap games for me. One thing about me is I've been a fan of a lot of teams that uh that have looked really good one week and then the next week they just you're like who are these guys? And I feel like Oregon State fans can kind of relate to that. Um, or at least I feel like I've seen a little bit of that Certainly. in the past few weeks. Um, so, you know, going into this game, obviously never been, at least while I've been around, there's never been more of a time where I'm like, this team is legit. They have a great opportunity to, to win the Pac-12 North, if not the entire conference. Um, so, you know, generally in the past, in these situations, I'm used to seeing my teams just crumble under that pressure. Um, and that's what I worry about in this game. And I think, I think Jonathan Smith, as you mentioned, is a, is a great coach, especially getting the team prepared for road games. So I, I, I don't expect it to be that way, but you can't help but have a little bit of, you know, a weird feeling heading into this one. Yeah, it's definitely one, you know, going up the Palouse, it's, it's a, it can be a tough place to play, but the Beavers are, you know, headed into the game as a three and a half point favorite um, you know, basically just to kind of give you a rundown on the stats, I mean, the Beavers and Cougars are pretty similar uh, defensively in, in most respects, the Beavers being a little bit better, but uh, not significantly. And then the major difference between the two teams is that the Beavers average almost 100 more yards of offense per game than the Cougars. So, you know, it, we'll see. We'll see what the atmosphere is like. But I, I think as long as Oregon State's able to stick to their thing, which is, you know, Establish that run with B.J. Baylor. Deshaun Fenwick has started to really pick it up these last couple weeks. Um, get that ground game going. Uh, get Chance Nolan in a rhythm early where he can make some high percentage throws and kind of get in the same rhythm we saw against uh, USC. Uh, you know, and then the defense is kind of able to do what they've done the last two weeks, which is, you know, force a turnover, uh, get the kind of key stops when they need. If, if they do that, I, I think they'll be in a, in a decent position to win this game, Jared. Well, I've got a question for you just in regards to, to a couple of stats. One being, do you, do you feel that, and, and, you know, in talking to other Oregon State fans or, or Oregon State personnel or whatever, do you feel that that line is, is maybe a bit disrespectful for a team to be 4-1 and one with the wins that Oregon State has uh, going up against a team that lost to, to, to Gary Anderson? Do you, do you feel like that line is, is a bit disrespectful? Mm. Mm. You know, uh, I don't I, I could see why you could. But for just from my talks from from people, I think everyone's pretty, pretty happy to see Oregon State favored in general, regardless <laughs> of who it is. Um, but, you know, Oregon State kind of like I said, I mean, from what I've been able to gather, I mean, Jared, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The Beavers were just kind of like that team like, hey, don't look over here. We're just doing our business. Don't look over here. We're just doing our thing. Yeah. And, you know. I think they kind of like it. You know, I, I get it's a, a close spread, but typically Nick Rolovich, I mean, we don't even have to say typically. As a head coach, Nick Rolovich is 2-0 and against Jonathan Smith. So there's that right there. Maybe some someone that, you know, someone else that Jonathan Smith kind of has to knock the monkey off his back is, you know, he beat Jimmy Lake and, you know, got back the uh, USC this last weekend. But no, I don't think the line's like disrespectful in any way. I just think it it's appropriate given – all the reasons that you just said, 
is it safe to believe in Oregon State? Do you expect Oregon State to come in and handle business in this game? Because, you know, if Oregon State were to come in and, you know, take care of the Cougars heading into the bye week, Jared, I mean, there's no question in my mind they'd be ranked and maybe start to be considered as a real dark horse team to make some noise uh, out West. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, that that is a good point. If he's 2-0 against Oregon State, then I feel like just them being favored is, is pretty good. And not only that, but one reason that I'm a little skeptical, just to just to add on to the trap game thing. Please, please. Is that I'll be the pessimist, the pessimist for this week's podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll be that. I'll do that role just because, again, and I'm, I'm used to seeing like the, the hopes go up and then just get shot back down. I don't think it's going to be the case, but I've got to at least throw out the possibility. And, and one reason why I see it being a possibility is because, as you mentioned, Oregon State does play well on the road, but Washington State's not played well at home yet either. They've, I mean, they, they are probably itching for a home win for their home fans, seeing that their only one at home this, this year has been against Portland State. Um, so, I mean. That's true. That's a good point. They've already had, this will be their fourth home game already this year. Yeah, yeah. They, they lost to, to Utah State week one at home. Obviously a huge letdown for the program and for the fans. Bounce back against Portland State. Not in the most impressive, impressive fashion either, by the way, the next week. Yeah, only so, a 20-point win. There's your home win. And then you get your lunch ate by USC at home. And then you've been on the road ever since. Now you return back home. It's like, all right, we've kind of showed that we're, we're a little bit better than we were. So what better time than now to prove that to the fans, like in, that we're better than, than you guys probably think we are. So I think they're going to be fired up for that reason. They're going to want, they're going to, want to win for those home fans. Uh, and I think that's something that, that Oregon State needs to do a good job of keeping the fans out of the game as good as. Another question I had for you, Jared, real quick, before we wrap up on Washington State and wrap, wrap up this podcast. Real quick, what um, do you think that can you take anything away from the common opponent factor that the Beavers handled USC and Washington State got handled by USC? You know. You can and you can't. It's, it's always funny because there's always like college game day signs uh, and stuff like that where it's like it's just a chain of like eight games where it's like Presbyterian beat uh, Eastern Tennessee State. Eastern Tennessee State beat whoever. They beat whoever. They beat whoever. And they beat a team that beat Alabama. So technically Presbyterian College is better than Alabama. Uh, yeah, so- those are those are some of my favorite favorite those are some of my favorite yeah absolutely so it's I mean it's not necessarily the same situation here but I mean I think it is notable that USC absolutely handled Washington State uh one week before they got handled by Oregon State um so I mean you never know it's only one game um we've obviously got a, a broader spectrum to look at with it with us being five games into the season but for that one game to go off of, it, it does. I mean, it's got to mean something, but how much does it mean is the question. Yeah, no, it, it's it's going to be interesting. That's just kind of the common opponent factor, something I kind of wanted to look at. And You know, if, you know, if team A beats team B, what does team A do to team C and so on and so forth? And, you know, obviously it's a week-to-week thing and so, and, you know, so on. So, you know, 
my my early impression is is I'm cautiously optimistic about this game, and you'll be able to obviously check out Jared and I's thoughts and the staff predictions that'll be going up uh, Friday, um, and also uh, make sure to check back in for all of our content this week. Just in general, I think that um, you know I, I'm cautiously optimistic about this game. I think if you can avoid some of those trap game kind of um, moments, you know, and you know, kind of not, you know, play within yourself. I, I think the Beavers are still in a pretty good position here. But like you said, the trap game, it, it is there. It does exist. I just think my my guess right now is that I think the Beavers and Jonathan Smith will be pretty well prepared for it. I think I think I agree with you. I want to agree with you. Um, but as you, you'll have to wait and see the full predictions. It's honestly not one that I've even come to peace with yet. I don't know. I haven't finished my thought either. I'm I'm pretty pretty confident too. But yeah, you guys all have to check back in tomorrow for sure. Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't have it 100 nailed down in my head what I think is going to happen. I know what I what I think should happen, but I don't know if it will. Um, so I'm going to sleep on it, <laughs> and we'll obviously have it in the predictions tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's it's a big game. We know who the better team looks to be so far this season, uh, obviously. But will they play like the better team Saturday? That's the big question. Uh, and as we said, you'll have, to, you'll have to wait and see what we think will happen until tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, make sure to head on over to beaversedge.com. we got an awesome 30-day free trial going on right now. Get you access to all of our premium content, including uh, some of the interviews that we have during the week that are only for our premium subscribers with, you know, the coordinators, players, uh, all that stuff. Jared's also got uh, quite a bit of premium recruiting content coming in each week. and you know, so on and so forth, you can definitely head on over to beaversedge.com, take advantage of that free trial, take it free for 30 days, see what Jared and I have to offer and uh, see if it's for you. We definitely would like to have you guys join the beaversedge.com fam. It's uh, it's a good time, isn't it, Jared? Absolutely, especially right now with the team winning, there's there's no better time to, to jump in. Uh, it's all all positive vibes in the on the damn board and, and in threads. It's a good time and, and definitely, like you said, no better time to jump in. Why not? It's free. Worst worst thing that can happen is you back out in 30 days and you have no money lost. No, or said no risk, as they would say to uh, join beaversedge.com. Again, it's, it is a great time to be a Beaver's Edge with Oregon State off to a four and one start, two and zero in Pac-12 play, leading the Pac-12 North for the first time ever. Uh, ever is pretty good, right, Jared? <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you know, there there's some good vibes going on in Corvallis right now, and and again, BeaversEdge.com is definitely going to be your place uh, for wall-to-wall coverage. We'll have coverage uh, from Oregon State at Washington State, one o'clock on Saturday uh, for that contest. And again, it, it's it, it really will be interesting to see, you know, what, you know, not not so much, you know, what teams show up, but just I'm curious to kind of see what the script of this game is because I think it has the potential to be. A little closer, a uh, little closer than people expect, but I, uh, like I said, I still think uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about Oregon State. So to check out uh, Jared and I's full predictions, head on over to BeaversEdge.com tomorrow. We'll also have uh, the injury report. We'll have uh, a crossover with our uh, sister site up at uh, Washington State Rivals as well. So lots of content coming down the pipeline at BeaversEdge.com. It is the place to be if you're an Oregon State fan and. We want to go ahead and thank you for listening to this edition of the Edge Podcast. Again, big thanks to my recruiting analyst, Jared Hollis, for joining me. As always, we'll be back next week to recap Washington State and talk the bye week.